Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. All right, so today we are finishing out our series, Do Hard Things, um, and it's week number five, okay? So we don't usually go past week four, and uh, I'm like, God, we could stop talking about hard things. Let's talk about easy things. Maybe he'll let me do our next series on easy things, the easy things of following Jesus. But here we are, and this is what God has put on my heart, and so uh, we're going to finish strong with Do Hard Things. I'm going to challenge you a little bit today, uh, just like we have every single week, to believe that God has called you uh, to face your giants, to face that Goliath that's right in front of you, that Goliath that seems too big, too scary, because, not because, just for the sake of, of you suffering, not just for the sake of you doing difficult things, but because on the other side of that Goliath is your victory. The other side of the do hard things is all that God has for you. And so facing them and growing in to the child of God you called to be, growing into that Man, there's so much more on the other side. That's why God has challenged you. Just like for your kids, you want to see them take steps even when it's difficult. You want to see them get better at sports even when it's hard. You want to see them work really hard at school even whenever the homework's really difficult because you want to see them grow and who all they're, they're called to be. And that's the heart of God. Um, and today, uh, we're going to wrestle with what I would call false dichotomies. Um, what feels like two things that you have to hold simultaneously and they feel like they oppose each other. Right? There are these things in our walk with God that when we hold them together, uh, they feel like, well, this one, but that's, this is red and this is blue. That's what they feel like. This doesn't make any sense. They both can't be true, and yet somehow they are. And sometimes they're things that we hold in our hands, and we really only want to hold one. Right? It's just so much easier. Don't make me hold two things. I just want to hold one. One of the things we've covered uh, are the two things called grace and truth, uh, that Jesus came with grace and truth. And if you're like me, th this is a thing that's hard to hold, right? This is a thing that to, to have both, to, to give grace to people and have grace and come with grace uh, and also truth. Those are two, two difficult ones to hold at the same time. It would be easier for my personality just to pick one. I want to pick one. I just want to be all truth and I just want to tell you how it is all the time. If you can't handle the truth... Well, I went to a movie reference. If you can't handle the truth, then it's a whole thing where uh, you, like, just, that's just on you. It's not my fault you can't handle the truth. I'm going to tell the truth at all times. And if, if you can't handle it, you're just soft. That's on you, right? That's, I would like to go that way. Or I'm okay if we can't go that way. Then I want to go where it's just all grace. Like live and let live. You're not my business. It's, you're not my property. I don't own you. I'm not responsible for you. So just, you know, whatever you did is fine. I don't care. It's cool. Like you have plenty of grace. Grace for whatever you did. If you did it, you probably had a reason for doing it. I'm fine with that. Just live your life. I'll live mine. We'll be good. Those are two ways that I would go in extremes. But God has told me to hold both. God has told me that I'm going to live in both. I'm going to live with grace and truth. I've got to love people enough to give them grace, but I've got to also love them enough to, to give them truth. And those are difficult things to hold, all right? So that, that's something we've kind of already covered. Um, today, I want to give you three. I'm going to give you three truths that are really hard to hold simultaneously. They're, they're, one of them is easy, but when you realize you've got to hold both of them well, and they both are true, and they don't feel true, right? It's like It only feels like one should be true, and the other one shouldn't, or vice versa, but both are true in our lives, and it's really essential that we hold both, or else we get off balance, we miss out on the heart of God, we go to extremes. Um, and so the first one is this. We're going to get through three today. Uh, the first one that's really hard to hold uh, is that if we're really honest about what Scripture says about our lives, we're not really that good. Um, and then also simultaneously, 
we're extremely valuable. I'm not good, but I'm valuable. I'm not good, and yet God says I'm valuable, right? Those are hard to hold. Like, I'm either really good, and that's why I have value, right? That's, that's the one that would be nice, right? In one extreme, I'm not good at all. I'm a terrible person. No one likes me. That's fine. Let me just live there. Then I can just go about my life, eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow I die. Just suffer through, right? Or I'm really amazing. God loves me. He sent his son down on the cross for me. It's because I'm awesome. Have you met me? I'm awesome. So, like, of course, he sent his son to die for me, right? There's two extremes, but yet both are true. Right? Essentially, we are but a pile of dirt that God breathed life into and decided we have value. There's a couple of scriptures that might feel opposing. The first one is Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Not a single one of us are good. In this category over here, none of us are good. Scripture's pretty clear on that. Like the whole point of the gospel is you understanding you're not good. You're not good on your own. You need a savior. And then the opposite scripture that might seem opposing that's on the other side is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay. You were bought with a price. You know what the price was? The son of God. The son of God was the price that God paid. His own son, his only begotten son, he paid the price for you. That's the price he paid. He said, you know what, how much is is this person worth to me? How much do I want to have a relationship in eternity with him? How much are they worth to me? God said, that's how much value you have. I'm, I'm not good. I'm a pile of dirt, essentially. And yet God says I'm extremely valuable. The difference is, and the truth to understand and the way to hold both of these is that by myself, in and of myself, I am lost and don't have value. But in God's hands, I'm very valuable. In the right hands, you are really valuable. When you recognize your worth, your worth is attached to something. And that's frustrating to hear. We've kind of processed this before. And the illustration we've used is a $100 bill. I actually have one this time. Got a $100 bill in my pocket. I roll like that just for sermons. I don't roll like that very often. Uh, I got a $100 bill. And this over here is really just a piece of paper. If we're honest, it's a piece of paper with some ink on it. Now it's got like a weird strip in the middle of it. Used to, it didn't have that. Now it's just a piece of paper. It's got some ink on it. It's got some fancy designs on it. It says in God we trust on it. Like it says something on it, but it really doesn't, really, it doesn't amount to anything. A thousand years ago, this was useless. A thousand years from now, it might still be useless, right? But yet we all were like, hey, I mean, if you don't like it, I'll I'll take care of it for you. Like, no problem. Let me just, let me, I'll just put that in my pocket for you because it's kind of weighing you down, right? You you don't want to carry that? I got that. And understanding its value because the government says it has value because it's attached to value means that it's valuable. This is who we are. We, we, in one hand, are really just a piece of paper until we're in the right hands that know how to, how to help guide and steer us, help direct us and help us see what he has placed inside of us. I mean, even this, even this in our own walk with him, like if it gets lost, you drop this in your, in your cushion, your couch, you don't see it for a hundred years. You never, you you just get rid of the couch, burn the couch, whatever happens to the couch, it's gone. It lost its value, not because of anything, if its value was lost, but because it was in the wrong hands, it was lost in the wrong hands. It didn't have the right person to connect it. And if you put your, this in the wrong hands, it might get used for drugs. It might get used for all kinds of wrong things. It might get used for bad purposes. So it had its value, but its value got misused. So what I found out in my own hands is I misused my value. 
I'm selfish and I I hurt people and I I do things that benefit me and don't benefit other people. But in the hands of a loving God, he's taught me how to live in the value that he's placed inside of me. And that is only appropriate in the right hands. It doesn't matter what happens to this, in case you're wondering, in case you're missing the point of this. It does not matter what this goes through, right? All you need is half of this, like just 51% of this bill you can take to the bank and it's worth just as much. Right? It does not matter what happens. It's what it goes through. You put it in the washer, the dryer, it's good. You throw it in dirt. You throw it in dog manure. Most of us, unless you roll real deep, most of us are going to just wash that off and put it back in our pocket. Like if you don't, if that's not you and you're like, no, it ain't worth it to me after it's been in dog manure, I'm out. Uh, let's talk. Let's, let's talk about either your bad, bad judgment or how, how deep you roll. Like, wow, you don't need the $100 bill? Uh, and yet most of us would say, no matter what it's been through, we'll take it. We'll figure out how to use it. Because it has its value already and nothing you could do, nothing, you can stomp on it, you could trash, you can, well, I can wad it up all I want. Look at it. It's, it's still, y'all still want it, right? Everybody still is cool and understands that wad it up, I'll still take that bill. I'll still take it. And that's how God sees you. By yourself, not that valuable. So uh, this hard thing to hold that truth and to, to just kind of acknowledge like, okay, this is, this is me. Like, I'm really just a piece of paper unless I'm in the right hands. I'm not here to just tell you to do the hard thing and hold this truth because it makes you suffer, makes you feel bad, and makes you feel like you need Jesus. There's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose behind every hard thing that God has called us to do. To hold both of these two things, they really matter in, in how we live in relationship to God and the people around us, right? I remember the first time uh, that it kind of landed for me. Um, I uh, was traveling, and I got this opportunity to go uh, to a Spanish language school in Costa Rica. And, uh, one of the weekend excursions, I'm like in hot springs and we're seeing like active flow volcano that's safe, uh, happening down the mountain in the hot springs. It's just like the most picturesque scene. And then we're driving around the mountain the next day and you're seeing like windsurfing on this lake. And it's just the most, I'm like in the middle of a rainforest, the most absurd scene. And I listen to this song, the song comes on. Uh, some of y'all probably don't know this song. Third day, nothing compares. It's old school. Don't worry about it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bop as the kids say. Uh, and uh, they don't even say that anymore. So, uh, so I'm driving in these in the in the rainforest and these windy roads, seeing this beautiful scenery, and I realize like I don't deserve to be here. Like I didn't. I was like 19 or 20. Like what did I do to get here? I didn't do nothing. This is the grace of God that got me here. I don't deserve. And plus, I'd known by that point at like what I had done in my life and how bad of a person I could be. And yet, God loved me enough to take me to this place. And that song hit in a different way, where I was like, it really. Nothing really does compare. Like, this is cool, but who I'm with in this is what matters. Like, the fact that I'm connected to the God who created all of this and set all of this up for me matters way more than the hot springs, the volcano, the cool windsurfing, the rainforest. It matters more. Like, I'm, in the, I'm at the peak of everything that I wanted to experience in my life. I'm at the peak of all that was good in the world, and yet I realized it wasn't about creation. It was about the creator. And the reason it matters is that you understand who you are and your values because it helps you connect to the creator. It helps on the other side of understanding like, I'm not worth it and yet he calls me worth it. I'm, I'm a pile of dirt that he's claimed as valuable. And that helps you understand how valuable the relationship with him is. That he loves you that much to pull you out of the dirt, to pull you out of the, the worthless life that you would like to be in on your own and to say, I got more for you. I love you that much. That's why it matters to understand these two realities that might be difficult to hold simultaneously, to, to recognize that they matter so much. 
because I want to stay in a connection. It's not what I have. It doesn't matter where I'm at, but I found that who I know is what really matters. Whose hands I'm in is what really matters in life. And those two truths, understanding them both really well, keeps us connected to the creator of it all. Second one is this. Uh, one that's really difficult, uh, especially as it relates to God and how he interacts with humanity, is understanding that we are all forgiven, but we're not all reconciled. Uh, we're, understanding the difference between forgiveness, that God says that he forgave us, and yet some of us aren't good. Here's what it says in scripture, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world. Right? His atoning sacrifice means that he paid the debt for us, right? It already said he paid our value. That's how much he loves us. He placed his value, gave his son for us. He has an atoning sacrifice, so we don't have any debt anymore. Like, I'm out, we're out of debt. We don't owe anything. And, and it's not just, he's like very specific in First John, right? Like, you can be like, well, the world just means this, a few people. No, no, no. John's very specific. He has an adjective, the whole world. Not half the world, not the elect, not just a few. He died for the whole world. Every single person, he died and forgave their sins. It's done. It's over. Your sins have been erased. Well, cool. That's, there, there's this term called universalism that we could go to if we just want to stop at this scripture where everybody just gets to heaven. Like, everybody's good. But that's only one side of the coin. That's only one reality. He says you're forgiven. You're done. It's done. There's nothing you can pay, pay more. It's already covered. Your debt's already covered. And yet we find this out in verse Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to know the truth. Not, not all men are saved. He desires that. We have a heavenly Father who said, I, I paid your debt. You are forgiven. But some of you aren't reconciled, right? I, like, I, I let go the sin and the guilt and the shame that you should carry. I let that go. But that doesn't mean we're in good relationship, right? You may have some people in your life that, listen, I love you and I want what's best for you, but it is not, we're not meant to be in a relationship anymore. Like, I hope God's best for you. I believe God's best for you. But we are not reconciled. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. That's frustrating. It's difficult to hold both of those understandings, like especially if you care about the world and you recognize that's like 8 billion people that I got to wrestle through. They're forgiven, but are they reconciled? And what's my part to play in their reconciliation to God, their connection, and they're making it good with God, and they're repenting and coming back to God. All of those things are, are really difficult to hold. And today I'm challenging you to do the hard thing and hold both is true, that the world is forgiven that God gave his only son for the whole world, every single person. But yet there are some people, there are some people that haven't reconciled, haven't come back to God. And maybe today you'll find out that's you. Maybe today you'll recognize like, oh, I've been living in just one truth. Like God loves me. He's good. Like you got that, you got that like picturesque Jesus who's holding the lamb and the kids are around him. It's like, oh, he's that, he's that Jesus. We're good. He always loves me. He's, he always understands my side. Like everybody else is wrong, but he gets me. But you don't get the other side of Jesus where he challenges you to repent, to, to, to go and sin no more. Like you, to reconcile, you've got to accept the forgiveness and live in it. And that's true for us and them. It's like this. If, uh, if I bought you a cruise, right? I bought you a cruise. Anybody want a cruise? How many people hate cruises in here? Yeah, boats, claustrophobic, something, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Y'all are crazy. Y'all lost your mind. It's a fantastic time, food everywhere. I don't have to plan nothing. I just jump on the boat and I'm good. But uh, that's, that's just me. Uh, I bought you a cruise. 
picture something else if you don't like cruises. I bought you something really cool. I bought you a cruise. Price is paid. Like, tickets covered. I got you covered. Like, it is fully paid for. You don't have to worry about nothing. All you got to worry about is getting to the port on time. Uh, you can have everything paid for and covered. You got a room. You got people to wait on you hand and foot. They're going to make your bed for you. Every time you leave the room, you're going to come back and the bed's going to be made. It's like, what just, how'd they get in here? Like, I, don't even, I was gone for like five minutes. I just like peeked outside and looked back and my bed was made. How'd that happen? Like that's, everything's taken care of. There's food. What, you want food now? It's 3 a.m. You want food? We got food. All of it. Everywhere. All the time. You want a show? There's a show. You want to play? You want to swim? You can swim. You want to go to the beach? We're going to stop the next day. We got all this stuff to do. It's already paid for. It's already covered but you still have to decide to show up to the port. God can pay all your debts. God can pay everything on your behalf, but at some point you gotta show up. At some point you gotta step up and say, I accept. I accept the ticket that you paid for me. I, like, there's nothing to do, there's nothing left to do other than show up and accept. Somebody paid something for me that I didn't deserve, I couldn't have paid for, I couldn't have earned. Somebody's got me covered. I just gotta show up. That's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Your debt is paid. All he's asking you to do is show up. And what the, the reason it matters, the reason that like I'm telling you to hold two truths that might f- seem difficult uh, and, and understanding the world and reconciliation and forgiveness is because it's also the way your heavenly father acts towards you is the way you're supposed to act towards them. Right? See, see, God doesn't stop at forgiveness and reconciliation for himself. He doesn't just say you're forgiven, but listen, reconciliation looks a little different. You got to come to me. You got to repent. You got to follow me. You got to trust me with your life. If you want to accept the cruise ship ticket that is eternity, you got to show up. You got to trust me with your life. You got to say that like you're good with that and you accept the ticket. Not only does he challenge us to, to see that and understand that about himself, but we are supposed to mimic him. We're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to be the ones that choose to forgive no matter what. Like, no, 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 it's already forgiven. Like, I don't, I don't need you to apologize. God didn't need you to apologize. While we were still sinners, he forgave us. He didn't wait for us to apologize to forgive us. The forgiveness already happened. Matter of fact, if you're wrestling with forgiveness right now, it is the most single most important thing you can do is figure out how to forgive. It may be a daily process. It may be an hourly process. It may be a yearly process that you have to go through and continually let go of the debt that, that somebody owes you. Somebody wronged you in your childhood. Someone is wronging you continually. Someone is wronging you right now. Someone has done something to you and they deserve to have justice. They deserve to have payback. They deserve for you to tell them exactly how it is and they need to apologize. And God says, nope, you need to forgive. Before they do that, if they never do that, you need to forgive. It is so important. God says, if you are praying and you are asking God for something and you have something against your brother, stop your prayer. Don't talk to me anymore. Go fix it. Go make it right. God, Jesus tells us that if you, if you choose to withhold forgiveness from someone else, then God can't forgive you. If you forgive them, he'll forgive you. But if you hold it back, if you're like, no, 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 what they did was too bad. Like, I can't, I can't forgive them. I can't, I can't let that go. It's like, well, then I, my hands are tied. I can't forgive you. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't let you continue on. You're not reconciled if you don't choose to be like me and forgive. But what's, for some of you, that, that part might be easy. Right? Forgiveness for me is one of the hardest things. And it's the most incomprehensible thing in scripture that it challenges us to do and requires for us to do. It's absurd. I'm frustrated. And yet I know it's God. And I know he's told me to do it. Right? Some of you, though, that's kind of easy for you. Like you're like, I just, I just let things go. I don't, I don't hold things back. But then there's another challenge where uh, reconciliation has to happen or doesn't have to happen. Not everybody that we forgive are we called to reconcile with. 
And that can be difficult. It can be difficult to hold the reality that I let go what you owe me, but we are not called to be in a relationship. I let go and I forgive you of the debts and I forgive you of the wrongs, but we're not going to be business partners again. I forgive you of the trauma that you caused in my childhood, but my kids are not going to hang out with you. Right? I forgive you of how you wronged me. I forgive you of all the things and I'm not looking for punishment and justice in your life. What I'm looking for is to let go and let God. Like that's God's job. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not my job. I'm going to let it go. But that doesn't mean that I'm called to reconcile. Sometimes it's on me. Sometimes it's not time. Sometimes there's too much trauma. There's too much hurt. I've got to get healing. And sometimes they haven't stepped up for reconciliation. Reconciliation most times doesn't happen until two parties apologize or at least one. There may be a wrong that's legitimately just somebody wronged you. And until they're willing to come back and like, hey, let's work on this relationship together. Let's do iron, sharpen iron. Let's get better together. Maybe, maybe, it's, not the, maybe it's not the season for it. Maybe it's not the time. Listen, the, the, the direction of scripture is that reconciliation should always be like on the table. It should, it should really be something you fight for and strive for, but that doesn't mean you force it. it God doesn't force us. God, God is like always open, like, hey, I'm here for reconciliation as soon as you repent. I'm here for as long as you're ready. God is open. And we should strive to be the type of people that say, you know what? If it's able and if it's possible, I, would, I will try to reconcile. If it's able and possible that we can be healthy in a relationship together, a friendship, a mother-daughter, a father-son, a brother-sister, cousin, whatever it is, if it's, if it's healthy for us to be in this relationship and we can move past this thing, then I'll, I'm going to try. I'm going to give it a shot because that's how God challenges us because that's who God is. And so what's hard is holding both. It's holding the world is forgiven but not always reconciled. And we always have to forgive and we've got to wrestle with reconciliation. And that's hard. That's difficult. And for both of these things, maybe kind of ties into our third one. So the first one is, I'm not really good, but God sees me valuable. The second one is, I have to forgive and I've got to wrestle with reconciliation. I've got to let it go, but that doesn't mean I've got to be in a relationship. The third one is, um, I might know a lot of things, like, like I know a lot of stuff, but there's also a lot of stuff I don't know. This one's terrible for my personality, right? There are a lot of, there's a lot of information out there. Like Google has a lot of knowledge. And yet every time I discover more information, I find out how little I really know, right? Like the, 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 the more intelligent you get, the more schooling you get, I believe the more you start to learn, like there is an infinite universe of things that I just don't know. I don't know the answers to. I, it's, it's, it's virtually incomprehensible, the number and the complexity of things I don't know. But yet there are some things that I absolutely just know to be true. Like I've seen them be true. I've seen them happen. I've got enough evidence in my life that I've seen it play out that I know enough to know, but also know enough that I just don't know. God has given us enough information that we know enough. Like I, I would argue that today, if you wrestle with your faith, that you know enough to know that God is good. And, and I know what Satan is really good at is to leave us and I just don't know. Like, I don't, I just don't know. I mean, maybe God's good. Maybe God sent his son. I mean, probably so, but like, I just, I'm not sure. What about kids who die of cancer? Like, what about all the wars that happen? On, like, just what about all of these things? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I've seen the look of love in somebody else's eyes that doesn't make sense in just a baseline evolutionary life. I've seen, the, I've seen the goodness of humanity that doesn't make sense in just random, the randomization of the Big Bang. 
Like I've seen that, that there's some drive in us for justice when, when evolution would just strive us for us to just, the, the, the strong survive. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. I know enough to know that God is good, but there are an infinite number of things I just don't know. Romans 1 tells us that uh, creation tells of it. Like if we look, we'll, we'll look and realize how small we are, how insignificant we are in the scheme of the universe. And the goal of that is for creation to, to point back to the goodness of God. You know, one of the things about the Christmas story that's really interesting to me that I feel like we skip over all the time, and that's the, the, the three wise men. It's not necessarily three, I guess. It doesn't really tell us how many. But the, the wise men, and they're just described as wise men. We don't really know who they are. We know they come from the east. And if you look at the story, uh, look at the Old Testament, almost nothing good comes from the east. And yet the wise men come from the east. And when the wise men come from the east, uh, what seems to be clear is that they're not, they're not Jewish people, right? Jesus is a Jewish child that's born to be a Jewish king by all understandings of what's happening. Everybody in that day understood that. So all the prophecies should have been in the Jewish text and they should have understood, hey, here's what's taking place. That makes sense. And yet random people from probably a random religion, there's actually a religion called Zoroastrianism that existed back then. And most scholars think that that's where they came from. And that God wrote in the stars the creation and the birth of his son so that another religion outside of the people that he was working with most, another religion knew enough to know. Enough to go, hey, you know what that star means? There's a king being born over in this town. Let's go. Enough to go, he's important enough. Let's get our gold. Let's get our frankincense and myrrh. What do we need frankincense and myrrh for? I don't know. They'll ask about it 2,000 years. It'll be a great mystery, right? Like that's, <laughs> this is going to be fun. We're going to mess with people. The gold makes sense. The rest, they're just going to always wonder. Uh, and so they just go and they give these gifts because that's how important it is. They know enough to know. I don't know who the, I, I don't even know if they know who the Jews are. They just know that there's a star that points to a king and they've got to go find out. They know enough to know. Creation cries out. And what, what James tells us, James 1 tells us that if we will ask for wisdom, God will give it. If we will ask for wisdom, God will give it. I believe it's a promise. If we are really seeking for wisdom and what God, like the just enough to know, the just enough to know moments in our life, God will give it. What we want is the, I know everything. I need to, I need to have all of the, I don't knows figured out first. But God is not saying that when he says he'll give you wisdom. That's not what wisdom is. You know a lot of wise people who don't know a lot of stuff. You know a lot of people that use wisdom in their life because wisdom is the application of the knowledge you're given, not knowing everything. Wisdom does not dictate that you're going to know what's going to happen in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. Wisdom is knowing that with what I've been given, with what I know now, here's my next step. That's what wisdom is. And that's the wisdom God promises to give. So if you're wrestling with your next steps, you're wrestling with like, I mean, I know a lot of stuff, but... I just have all these questions. Maybe it's, maybe it's the big picture of who God is and is God really what he says he is? Is Jesus really the son of God? All of those questions. But maybe it's little next steps. Maybe it's the forgiveness thing that you need to let some stuff go. Maybe it's things in scripture that you're frustrated about. You're like, you know what? All the other stuff sounds good, but this part where it talks about this, not a fan. Like, I don't like this portion of scripture. I like to skip over it when I'm reading my scripture, so I don't, I'm not gonna do it. And God is telling you, no, 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 take the step because you trust the rest of scripture enough to know to trust this portion of scripture. You, you, you can have all the, I don't knows. Like there are things in scripture. I'm like, I don't know if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. And God's like, exactly. You're not God. Welcome to, I don't know, but I know enough to follow him anyways, because I know that he's good. And I know that he's loving and I know that he's kind. See, what I know is, uh, that this Christmas is going to be 
a difficult Christmas. That uh, if, if you're new with us, uh, my, my parents passed away in July in a house fire. And uh, what I don't know is uh, why. Like, if I'm honest, I just don't know why. Like, I don't, I mean, I know how fires work. Let's, let's I mean, this, this is how it happened. Uh, but I don't know why God couldn't wake me up. Like, I live a few hundred feet from my parents. God could have woke me up. Bird could have flew into the window. I woke up, looked out. My sister lives across the street. Could have woke her up. She'd have saw the fire a little early. We'd have been good. It'd be a very different Christmas. I don't know. There's a, there, I, I, on this side of heaven, I probably will never know. Like, I can ask all I want. I can yell at God. I've yelled at God. I can talk to God and be like, what? come on, man. What, your hands are tied? What is that about? Like, what are you doing? Why couldn't you wake me up? Why couldn't this be different? And I will live the rest of my life in I don't know. But the other side, what I do know is I was given better parents than I deserve. What I do know is that my God has been so good to me for so long that the I don't know doesn't get to win. See, I know how good my God has been to me. I know what my family looks like, my dynamic. I know how good the grace of God is. And what Satan would like us to do is to get stuck in the I don't know. Like, I just don't understand. And some of you, this Christmas, you're right there with me. You've lost loved ones. People are hurting. You're hurting. You're right there with me. And you're like, God, why? Man, I don't know. I wish as your pastor, I could just, let me, let me calculate the spiritual restrictions and why God couldn't intervene in that moment and why it didn't place out, even though I know he's good and he wanted to save them and he wants them to have a healthy life. And yet it didn't happen. I don't know. And I would like to give you the answers. And my answer is, it's okay to not know. But we know enough to take our next step. We know enough to see that God is good because I would bet you're like me. The reason you might be hurting this Christmas is because you had someone that you loved enough to hurt for. And that shows the goodness of God. That he cared enough to give you someone to love like that. Sometimes it's like, well, it'd been nicer to not, you know, like love and loss, whole thing. No, 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 thanks. I'll just take the love. Don't give me the loss. But I knew enough to know that my God is good and loving and kind and in the I don't knows, they don't get to dictate my step. Here's what it says in uh, Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And uh, what I would like for this to say is like is a high beam to my future. That would be cool. Like your word, it like tells me what's all going to happen, how it's all going to play out. Every specific detail of my life, that's your word. It tells me what's going to happen. If I take this step, two plus two equals four. It's going to be perfect. I'm going to get it all figured out. It's all going to be fixed. That's not what the scripture says. It says he'll give you enough light to take the step. He'll give you enough wisdom to light your path. He'll give you a lamp so that you can see the path to take the step. But there's an ridiculous amount of darkness outside of that lamp that you won't know. And he'll still ask you to step anyways. He'll still ask you to say, I know enough to take the step. But there's so many things in the dark I don't understand. There are so many things beyond that that I don't know where this is leading me. I don't know what you're calling me to do. I don't know why you're calling me to do this. But I know enough to know that I'm called to take the step. And so today my challenge is for you to take the step. Whatever it may be, whatever your step is, take the step. If There are seasons in life where you don't get past 51%. Like, like I would love to always be 99.99% sure of what I'm supposed to do. I don't think you can ever be 100% sure about anything. But I would love if God would give me 99.99% sure of my next step. But there are so many seasons in life where he just doesn't give that. 
where it's like just 51%. And I don't have any more time to pray. I don't have any more decisions to make. I'm not going to get any, any more information. I'm called to take the step because I got more than, more than enough. I've got more than I don't know that I do know, so take the step. Sometimes that's all God gives you is just a 51% to take the step he has for you. Just one step at a time. And the lamp moves a little further. And the lamp moves a little further. You get one more step and you get a little bit further. And you get one more step and a little bit further. And then you look back and go, oh, I see what you're doing. I see, I see why today you're helping me wrestle with my value. It's because I was supposed to stay connected to you. I know why you wanted me to do a hard thing and understand that I'm not good, but you see me as valuable. I understand that now because of how much it makes me connected to you and understand and trust you in a world that's difficult, in a world that's hard. You don't want the stuff. You don't want the things. You want the healthy relationship with God and the people around you more than any of that stuff because the stuff will let you down. See, I understand that when I take this step, I understand that that forgiveness and reconciliation both have to be a part of the process, that God forgives and I'm forgiven and I can't can't pay for it, but I gotta take the steps of reconciliation. I've gotta step towards you. I've gotta take the step. And today you may have an infinite number of things that you're about to take steps on. And today I pray that you'd have the courage to do the hard thing and take the step God has for you. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.